We praise you. Our God, we praise you. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. For you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise to the Lamb who sits on the throne. For you were slain, and with your blood you purchased people of every tribe and every nation and every people and every language. And you have made us to be a nation, a people, and priests to serve you. Praise God, as exiles on this earthly journey, we praise you that we are at home in you. That there is no place that we can go that can separate us from your love. No depth, no height. As far as we try and get away from you, God, you are still there. Praise you that you came to this earth to become one of us, that you humbled yourself and took the form of a servant and lived and died as one of us. That you might be exalted and that every tongue will confess and every tongue will proclaim, every knee will bow, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we lift you up and we call you blessed. And together we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to be in 1 Peter once again before we get to that. This morning, uh, here at Third Church, both in the sanctuary and here in the auditorium, we are welcoming new members. I'm so glad that we got some new members this morning, Josh and Erica Smith and their children, Elise and Thayer. Would you guys stand up for us and uh, give us a wave so everyone can see where we're from? All right. We're so glad to have you as new members. And if we could, if some people in their neighborhood group would uh, be willing to just come stand up right now and lay a hand on the Smiths, and we're just going to pray for them and pray a blessing over them. God, thank you so much that you continue to multiply in your body. Thank you that here in our local gathering of your followers, we can have uh, Josh and Erica and their kids. We pray a blessing over them and on their lives and pray, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit on them and uh, ask that uh, they would be blessed through being part of our community. Help us to serve them and love them well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. We are in the last message. We, we've got this overarching series on exile this year. And for the last couple of months, we have been talking about exile, and we've been going through the book of 1 Peter. 
we are ending that today. And then next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount and how that relates to being the church in exile. And then we get to Advent. Okay, So that's where we're going in the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's read 1 Peter chapter 5 as we finish out this series. Hear the word of the Lord. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you. Make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written you the, to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, as so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you. Who are in Christ. People of God, this is the Word of God. We're going to focus today um, on basically one thing, and that is humility. Our key verse this morning comes from chapter 5, verse 6, which says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Here's the key. I'm going to give you the one thing right at the beginning. Okay? Humility is not a spiritual byproduct. Humility is a spiritual prerequisite. Let me put it another way. Humility is not the fruit but the root. So what do we mean by that? Jesus said in John 12, 24 through 26, truly I say to you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world in this level three world, will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me, let's listen to this, 
whoever serves me must follow me. Follow him, what, where is he going? Follow me to death. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. See, Jesus even, he showed us the way. Unless that seed dies and is buried and takes root, it doesn't grow and develop the fruit. So you're not spiritually, you don't like do all the disciplines, become spiritually mature, and all of a sudden it produces the fruit of humility. Humility is not one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Humility is always the first step on the path to spiritual maturity. Did you hear that? Humility is always the first step. What the Bible refers to as the flesh, to our sin nature, to the old self, what Sigmund Freud called the ego. In this level three world in which we live, ego, let's think of it, let's use that word this morning. Ego is celebrated, right? From Snoop Dogg to Lady Gaga, from sports heroes to politicians, our culture celebrates big, audacious egos. But in God's economy, in kingdom economics, it's always the opposite of our world. Listen to this. Humility is my willful, intentional, conscious crucifixion of my ego. And it's not a one and done thing. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden I'm going to decide to be humble and it, I'm humble now. Humility comes in the moment by moment choices of every day. When that blankety blank cuts me off on 163. When that lady has 150 million coupons in the line of Hy-Vee and I gotta be somewhere. When that child did not pick their stuff up again, when that guy got the promotion that I deserved. When, when that woman on social media and her beauty and her perfect husband and her perfect life, oh, When my spouse drives me crazy and I am ready to let it fly, it is my willful, intentional, conscious crucifixion of my ego in that moment. The burying of my ego-centered selfishness in order that eventually, in the due season, spiritual fruit may be harvested. Let's look at it another way. Jesus said, Matthew 18, verses three through four, 
Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Did you see it? That's kingdom economics. The least, the lowest, is the greatest in God's economy. Now, if you're like me, I have been tempted always when, when thinking about Jesus' example here of thinking that it's the innocence and sweetness of the child that God wants us to exemplify. But I don't think so. Because think about being a child. A child, much like being in exile, has no power or authority in the family system. The child is not the provider, the protector, the rule maker. The child must submit, be dependent on, be obedient to, be submissive to the parent's authority. Remember Jesus' parable. There was an a owner of a vineyard. He had two sons. He went to his first son and he said, hey, son, I want you to go to the vineyard and get everything weeded for me today. And the son said, no, I'm not going. But eventually he went. The other son said, sure, dad, I'll do whatever you say. And then he didn't go. And Jesus asked, who do you think did the right thing? It was the son whose immediate, immediate reaction was ego. I'm not going to do that for you. I want to do what I want. I got friends doing stuff today. I am going to the movies with my friends. Then I'm going to Smokey Row. I am not working for you today. And then in that moment, consciously, willfully, intentionally crucified his ego and was obedient to what the father said. Do you see that? That's humility. And Jesus himself is the example. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, there it is again, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. In your relationships, okay, think about relationships. Spouse, friend, companion, Parent, child, in all your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he crucified his ego, made himself Nothing, and the word there in the Greek, kenosis, means he emptied his self. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Now, the thing about being in an exile is that you typically, an exile doesn't really have any systemic or institutional power. That's the example that we see. So think about some of the, uh, the examples of exile. Uh, Joseph. If you've never read the story of Joseph, uh, I encourage you to do it. Genesis chapters 37 through 48. Joseph 
finds himself sold into slavery by his own brothers. He's then taken by his slave masters to Egypt where he uh, ends up uh, getting thrown into prison. I mean, this dude had no power. He's not anywhere near home. He's not of this people. He is in prison. And yet God raised him up to become second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. Daniel, Daniel chapters one through three, great story. Read it. Daniel is in exile in Babylon. He's basically a captive slave. And yet God raises him up to become second in command of the empire of Babylon. Esther, she's just this Jewish girl who gets conscripted into the king's harem. And yet God raises her up to save the entire nation. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, you know what? I, yeah, I'm an apostle. I have all the rights of the apostle. But guess what? Every day I make tents. And I apply my tent-making business. You know why? It's for your good because I don't want to be a burden on you. Even though in my, I could demand to be provided for like all the other apostles, I chose not to do that because I don't want to be a burden on you. It is opposite this world. The kingdom of God is a low to high paradigm. I start low in my humility and at due time God raises me up. When this world operates what? Top down. So let's go back to our levels again. In this world, what do we do? We lord it down. And so if, we, if Jesus followed the world's paradigm, he would have done exactly what everyone expected him to do. Come from level four to become level three king and ruler of the world and then top down demand that everybody on levels two in their personal lives in level one obey because of the power of the system. That's not what Jesus came to do. His is a, God's kingdom is a low to high. So he comes down to change us as individuals. That our lives, our relationships, our very, our, our, our very presence in this world is transformed to be an example of God's kingdom from the bottom up. Not four, three, two, one, but four, one, two, three. And by the way, I believe that this is why Christendom failed. Because geopolitical international relationships between nations are a very different thing than individual interpersonal relationships that we have with God, other people, and the world around us. And Jesus did not come down to create an earthly kingdom. He came down to bring the kingdom of God and transform us as individuals. Humility is the first step. When we say, I want you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. But again, it's not a one and done thing. Because if we say, come to church and say, yes, I've asked Jesus to become Lord of my life, but every day we continue to feed that ego 
driven what I want, what I need, what I demand, what my rights are, then we really haven't submitted. I want to go to Romans, the sixth chapter. Um, and I, this is, the, this is my, the Tom Vanderwill paraphrase, okay? I want you to listen to Romans 6. And I have consciously chosen to take the word sin and change it to ego, okay? Here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can just be produced more and more? By no means. We are those who have died to our egos. How can we continue to feed them any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him like that colonel through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like his. For we know that our egos were crucified with him so that our bodies, ruled by our egos, might be done away with. That we should no longer be a slave to our egos. Because anyone who has died has been set free from their ego-driven self-focus. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to your ego, but alive to Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let your ego reign in your mortal body that you obey its insatiable, self-centered desires for power and control and security and safety and rights and greed and possessions and pleasure. Do not offer any part of your ego as an instrument of this level three world, but rather Offer yourself to God moment by moment, choice by choice, breath by breath, as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For your ego shall no longer be your masters because you are not under the law but under grace. Take a look at the slide up here. The ego demands its rights. Humility chooses to surrender my rights. Ego, the ego just wants what it wants. This is what I want. Humility wants what's best for others. Ego, thrusts itself into the spotlight. Humility has an audience of one and is willing to wait if that one wants me to be in the spotlight or not. The ego 
lords over others. Humility serves others. Ego demands justice for that for which I've been wronged. Humility chooses to extend grace and forgiveness in the same way that Christ has forgiven me. Ego is insatiable. Never forget Roman, uh, Norman uh, Rockefeller. Norman Rockefeller was asked, Mr. Rockefeller, you're a billionaire. How much is too much? His response, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. That's the ego. Never satisfied. The ego's time frame is now. Humility's time frame is God's time frame at the right time. And what's really, you go back to the exiles. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't know the story, they, uh, they were told to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. They chose not to. And he said, I'm going to give you one more chance, and if you don't bow down, I've got this furnace over here, and I'm going, to st- I'm going to stoke this furnace up, and we're going to throw you, all three of you, into the fiery furnace, and you're going to be burned to death. Living, uh, you know, sacrifice there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, look, king, know this. Our God is able to save us from that fire. But even if he does not, we're still not going to bow. That's humility. We are going to submit ourselves to our level four God, no matter what the consequences on this level three. Because he can save us. But even if he doesn't, if that's not the right time and that's not God's will, we're still going to submit. That's humility. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. You know, I, uh, was thinking about how to end this morning. And, you know, oftentimes we'll have a song and we'll have a response time. And there are times, um, when, you have an altar call or you have a, some kind of way to, to demonstrate um, your responsiveness to God in the moment. And I was thinking about that this morning and just different things we could do. But here's the thing. In keeping with what we've just talked about with humility, my desire is not for you to make some demonstration of your commitment to Christ in this moment or your repentance or your commitment here on a Sunday morning. What I am going to encourage us to do is in this moment as we finish our worship this morning, for each of us to be thinking about the things that our egos drive us to do, the anger, the selfishness, the demands for justice, the refusal to forgive, the whatever it is that, that, that is just, that's what I want in those moments every day. And I'm going to ask us all 
in your quiet moment with, with Christ to commit to this week having your eyes of your spirit open to catching yourself in those moments when you want to lash out or you want to scream or you want to call him that name that you might catch yourself and Holy Spirit might catch you and choose in that moment to humble yourself and respond differently. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. Thank you that you came not to lord over us, but to serve us. Thank you that you came to die and to show us the path of the kingdom of God. Allow us, God, your grace to crucify our ego in all of those moments, day by day, as we walk in this level three world and are wronged and are hurt and suffer and are in strained relationships and get belittled and maybe made fun of and, and just feels like nothing is ever right. Help us to choose every day in a million ways to humble ourselves, to crucify our ego, and to choose your way. To bury that seed of ego that it might die and take root and grow into love and joy and peace, perseverance and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In the name of Jesus.